Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. Sports stadiums here in the city are a quintessential part of our history. And by and large, I think we've done a pretty good job of celebrating even the ones that aren't here anymore. Looking at you, Civic Arena, Forbes Field, and even the Three Rivers Stadium. Gone, but not forgotten. Am I right? So with baseball season just a day away, we wanted to try to celebrate one that's still fighting for an important recognition. CityCast Morgan Moody talked to writer and historian David Rottenstein about a special spot in the Hill District. It's Wednesday, March 28th. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So what were sports kind of like during the 1920s? Like, are people packing these, I guess, kind of makeshift stadiums? I'm sure they're you know, not like the stadiums that we see now, like PNC Park. And was Pittsburgh, uh, was it a big sports town then to even support this kind of venture? Absolutely. Pittsburgh, for, for much of its history, has always been a big sports town. At this time, we're talking about there were professional sports stadiums, you know, more formal architect design, professionally built facilities like Exposition Park. And then in these small sandlots, baseball teams formed, uh, football teams formed. And many of the teams that developed in this this amateur world were based in the workplace. So we had this very complicated, very robust amateur sports environment that grew up alongside a more professional sporting environment with baseball teams and later football teams, boxers, and then even later on basketball. Mm-hmm. But this time was was, you know, very rich in in professional sports history. And it, it's the time when some of the best known figures in Pittsburgh sports history got their start. Art Rooney, for example, who founded the Steelers, had his own uh, baseball and football teams that that played throughout the North Side and and Pittsburgh at this time. And kind of, and like the Roonies, this story, you know, is about a stadium, but it's also really about the Williams family, the Williams brothers. How did these three brothers from Barbados, these Bayesian brothers who immigrated to Pittsburgh, end up owning businesses in the early 1900s? Each of the brothers began working for other businesses. They worked as Pullman porters. One of them, uh, according to census data, worked as a Mm -hmm. photo engraver. And they were able to save up enough money to go into business for themselves in 1914 by opening up a a basement billiard hall in in the Hill District on Fullerton Street. Mm -hmm. So for about six years, these brothers worked together in the billiard hall, pooling their money. And at some point, one of them, I suspect it was the oldest brother, Alexander McDonald Williams, came up with the idea to rent a couple of lots at the intersection of Chauncey Street, Humber Way, Hallett, and Junilla. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the lot itself had been vacant since the end of the Civil War. It had been owned by these these two families that, for whatever reason, had never decided to build anything on it. Why did they get into it, though? Like, why why sports? It was a, a way to make money. It was something that I think that they were introduced to by Alexander McDonald Williams' brother-in-law, Arliss Bailey. And, you know, it was it was a path to what they hoped would be easy money. But they hit some roadblocks along the way. You know, you, you need some money management skills. You need some sports management skills. You need some social networking skills. And everything has to come together just right. And initially, they, they had a good thing running. Mm-hmm. They opened up in the early summer of 1920 and began hosting Negro Leagues baseball games, boxing matches, concerts, community festivals. And almost immediately, they started encountering money problems. And to deal with these money problems, Alexander, the oldest brother, uh, began mortgaging his properties and, and taking out loans. You talked about the uh, Negro League teams that played there, but what about Gus Greenlee? Because Pittsburgh knows him as kind of the big wig behind, you know, the local success of Negro League teams like the Crawford Reds and the Homestead Grays. Um, he's also known as the first black stadium owner. So uh, why did Gus get the credit and not Alexander? So Gus Greenlee was an outsized character, almost almost a living legend in in Pittsburgh history. And in 1920, Gus Greenlee was you know just out of out of World War One, and he was making a living as a bootlegger. He didn't have the wealth and the reputation that he gained in the the later 1920s and, and 1930s. So you know at, at this point in time. The Williams brothers and their counterparts were, were really the mm. precursors to what Gus Greenlee built up in the Hill District. Greenlee got into sports promotion, uh, management, and then in, into the Negro Leagues in the 1930s. Mm. His ballpark on, on Bedford was built in 1932, a full dozen years after the, the Williams brothers built the Central Amusement Park. So, you know, the, the Williams brothers... We're, we're a brief flash in, in the historical pan here in Pittsburgh. Gus Greenlee, on the other hand, was an enduring figure. He built a tremendous entertainment empire with his his restaurants and nightclubs in the Hill District, especially on, on Wiley Avenue. So Gus Greenlee really became much better known and was a much more enduring figure than the, the Williams brothers. That's why historians, when they started writing about black baseball stadiums, latched on to Gus Greenlee's highly visible Greenlee Field, which was was also designed by architect Lewis Bellinger mm. as as the first black-owned and black-operated professional sports stadium. But as historians who came along later have found that, you know, number one, Greenlee Field wasn't the first black professional sports stadium. And it wasn't even black-owned or black-operated because Greenlee was in close partnership with the Tito boys, uh, Joe Tito and his brothers, mm. who actually provided a significant amount of capital to Greenlee to purchase the Pittsburgh Crawfords and to build and operate Greenlee Field. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. 
fat ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So Alexander kind of like laid the framework uh, or the the groundwork really for uh, Gus Greenlee. His son applied for a historical designation but was denied in 2011. He died eight years later in 2019. My great-grandfather, Willis Moody, his name is honored on the Homestead Grace Bridge. Okay. Yeah, he played in the um, Negro League. So I get, you know, that it means a lot uh, for, you know, your family contributions to be acknowledged um, by a state that didn't, wasn't acknowledging and, and wasn't really letting black people thrive at that time. Um, has the family said if there has been any, you know, new motion forward to at least get a sign honoring the site? So Alexander McDonald Williams' son, McDonald Williams, took his, his name from, from his father's uh, middle name, grew up in Pittsburgh, attended the University of Pittsburgh, uh, went on to get a, a PhD in, in, in English and became a, a highly respected professor of English literature. As he was getting older, my understanding of the story is McDonald Williams wanted to get recognition for his father's contributions to, to Pittsburgh history and to baseball history. So he began doing research into his father's ballpark, and he collaborated with Pittsburgh-based scholars to put together what he thought would be a mm. good, solid application for a historical marker to commemorate his father's contributions. And in, in 2011, he put together this, this application package to the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission, asking for the, the commission, which oversees historical markers in the, in the Commonwealth, to, to put a marker at the Central Amusement Park site. And the agency reviewed his application and, and denied it. They said that based on the information they, they were given, that the ballpark and the people weren't historically significant enough to, to warrant a historical marker. And they, they cited the newly placed one at Greenlee Field as, as evidence that there was something in their minds more significant. I don't understand how it's um, if there's all of this information behind it that it actually is the first, you know, black-owned, black-operated, maybe the only uh, compared to Gus Greenlee's um, stadium. That why why it doesn't have that uh, recognition. So so there there are a few things going on with the application that McDonald Williams put together. First of all, you know, he he wasn't a professional historian. But on the other hand, the people at the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission should have realized that they had an opportunity to go back to Dr. Williams and collaborate with him to get more information. Mm -hmm. So what happened is the PHMC, Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission, basically was incurious. They they simply saw what, what they evaluated as an, an inadequate application for a historical marker. They denied it and didn't pursue any follow-up. 
I asked for the the records related to that that decision that they made, mm-hmm. and initially the the agency said that they 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 couldn't release them. Mm-hmm. So it, it took a while to cobble together the full application. Uh, you know, they 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 tossed Dr. Williams' application. They they held onto it for for a decade and then you know threw it away. So putting together the original application from the Williams family and from the scholars that Dr. Williams collaborated with, it was possible to to get an understanding of what the state had available to it. And then I asked the 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 head of the agency, the deputy state historic preservation officer, some some questions by email, and basically she she reiterated the agency's document retention policy and then uh, answered my question about did the agency pursue any additional research after after receiving the application and she said no mm-hmm. a- as a historian i you know that that's what i do for a living i i find it, it it truly disappointing that an agency filled with professional historians is so incurious about the people submitting information to it Mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't get into the minds of the folks at, at the agency, but but certainly racial bias plays a big part in what ends up getting preserved. You know, the, the Pennsylvania Historical Museum Commission has a body called the, the Historic Preservation Board. And the last photograph that they published of the board, I, I believe it was two years ago, it was an all white body. So there, there's absolutely no racial diversity in the group of people who makes many of the decisions about historic preservation in the Commonwealth. So the family was denied in um, 2011. Are they going to try again um, to get a, a new application going to honor the site? So McDonald Williams' daughter, Donna Williams, who now lives in, in Atlanta, is very interested in trying to to take another bite at, at getting a historical marker erected at the site. And she's been working with baseball historians and and people interested in getting the the story uh, more widely known so after after her father failed at getting the historical marker put up several baseball historians wrote about the the central amusement park and about the phmc's denial mm. their articles appeared in academic journals and in baseball history blogs so she is very interested in in ensuring that the the story is told and that the bad history contained in the Greenlee marker field is is corrected. David Rotenstein is a historian and a writer. Thank you so much for talking to us. It's always interesting and and, and informative. Well, thank you for having me. A little news before you go, and we'll keep it on theme. The Pirates crack a fresh bat tomorrow. Our Buckos are going to be in Cincinnati, taking on the Reds, but don't worry, the home opener is still a week away. I'm really looking forward to what will most definitely be a proper crushing by the Boston Red Sox here at home. And hey, at least Kutch is back. And the city is finally moving, maybe, on its huge list of tax-exempt properties. Mayor Ganey's administration announced the first batch yesterday, a list of 26 properties including UPMC, Pitt, CMU, Allegheny Health Network, even Propel Schools, plus a bunch of, quote, private citizens. I had no idea until I read WESA's story that honorably discharged veterans can own tax-free property here in Pennsylvania. Like, shout out to reporter Kylie Kaczynski for always serving these teachers 
teachable moments. Anyway, if the city is successful on just these first 26 challenges, it would be worth $3.5 million. That's it for our show today. If you want to keep up with everything Pittsburgh, definitely sign up for our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from around the city. Talk to you then. I should be as creative as I want and I still wore black. I'm, I'm no Billy Porter.